Welcome back to Crossing the Jordan, everybody. Holy Spirit, come and fill this podcast. Uh, we're going to continue our this series on the sacrament of confession, the very gift that Jesus has given his church in, uh, for, in order for us to be restored back to health in communion with God as just as Jesus's mission was his very victory over sin and death that separates us from God. Jesus enters into that and gives us his victory over the cross. This episode, we're going to talk about uh, God's heart for us from the very beginning. And then we're going to also talk about penance. So actually repairing or restoring what we've done wrong to make our relationships right with God. And we're going to talk about the difference between venial and mortal sin, deadly sin versus non-deadly sin. So let's go all the way back to Genesis 3. This is the, the story of the fall of Adam and Eve, the fall of man. And so what's happening is they are in the cool of the day with God, right? They're friends with God. They have, they're in paradise um, and they can walk freely. They have this beautiful communion with God and with each other. They're not ashamed and they have everything that they need. The serpent comes, which is the devil. The devil comes and tempts Adam and Eve to actually doubt their own identity and uh, to believe the lie that God is holding out on them and that they can become gods, become all-knowing without God himself, that God is lying and that they're not truly uh, sons and daughters of God, that they're being withheld something. So, the serpent says this to Eve. Eve tells the man because they're like lusting over this fruit now. They want their, they desired, they lusted over this um, very thing. And and then the, their, both their eyes were opened. They knew what, that they were naked and then they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons because they were ashamed. They saw each, they, they looked at each other no longer with purity. They looked at each other with lust and with insecurity and with fear out of that prideful act, right? So those are the underlying feelings that have taken place. And if you move on within that same chapter of Genesis 3, the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. So here we have God saying, where are you? He's not asking for his geographical coordinates or like literally trying to find Adam. He's all knowing. What he's trying to do is draw a confession to turn back to God. And then what does he say? I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid. So he has fear now. He has no, he has this, uh, irrational fear entered in out of disobedience and he's ashamed now and so he tries to hide himself he comes inward looking right so that's what adam and eve both did by hiding themselves from each other and from god they become so ashamed that they can't even look at each other so now they turn inward now it's selfish as well and he said who told you that you are naked have you eaten of the tree of which i commanded you not to eat so God knows he actually ate. He doesn't need uh, to be updated on what happened. God is all-knowing. <laughs> Again, he knows what happened. Again, he's still trying to have Adam confess, repent, tell me what you've done. I'm your father. I'm good. And the man said, the woman you gave to me, she gave me fruit of the tree and I ate it. So what does he do? He blames God for giving him the woman, and he blames the woman for making him eat the tree. So again, he becomes selfish. He blames all all the things on God himself, the very uh, person that blessed him with the woman, this co-worker, 
and blessed him with uh, freeness of this relationship for with each other and with God, and he blames both of them. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is it that you have done? And the woman said, Simple truth, she says. The serpent beguiled me and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all cattle and above all the wild animals. Upon your belly you shall go, and a dust you shall eat all the days of your life. And this is the first part of the proclamation of the gospel of Mary and Jesus. I will put enmity between you and the woman, Mary, and between your seed, which are all things that are evil, and her seed, which is Jesus. He shall bruise your head. So this is the very first proclamation of the gospel. Jesus, and uh, through the woman, is going to crush the serpent, right? So he is going to uh, defeat the devil that entered, that allowed sin and death to enter into the world, right? So what is happening here? God all along is begging us to respond. He is a good father, and no matter what, he wants his children to come to him for everything, right? So it's a turn to him. And so uh, we see this right at the very beginning, that he wants us to turn back. And so when we move on into the story of the Israelites, of the Hebrew people in Leviticus 5, it says, when you have sinned, go to the priest to offer a sin offering, right? So this is multiple, nine times in Leviticus, God institutes the Levitical priesthood and for people to come to receive forgiveness from God through the ministerial priest by offering sins, right? And in Numbers 5, it's uh, it talks about repaying restitution of the wrongdoing, right? So actually making whole what has been done wrong. And so, and these are just on natural levels, right? But this still holds true in the New New Testament, in the New Covenant, right? Look at the story of Zacchaeus. So he does, so the, the same thing happened. So he was a tax collector, a chief tax collector. So he actually stole from his own people in order to give to the Romans, right? And that's why people like despise him. He's a sinner and all these things. But Jesus, he enters into his house, right? So like the whole story is Jesus comes and dines with him. Zacchaeus, come down from that tree. I must dine with you tonight. So now he goes into the chief tax collector, a sinner's household. And this is showing how God always calls us first. It's always God's grace. Always, always, always. It's pure grace. Jesus is always in pursuit of us. He acts first. And then God's grace and his kindness leads him to repentance, right? So in Romans 2, 4, it's the kindness of God that leads people to repentance, God's grace continuing. So Jesus calls Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus dines, uh, Jesus dines with Zacchaeus. And because of the kindness Jesus shows him, he says that I will repay four times over what I've ever stolen. And then that's when the declaration of Jesus' salvation comes. Today, salvation has has entered into this household, right? So the whole house is saved because a Christian lives there, there now because of God's grace. And what happens is God's grace is first, and then he has led to repentance out of response of God's grace, and he actually repays it, just like in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament. And now that's when salvation comes. It's him responding to the grace that's been given him, the mercy and the forgiveness of of Christ entering into his house, that he responds and repays what he's done wrong. And now, but in the new covenant, it bears supernatural fruit because of what Jesus has done, right? Now we act out of grace and not out of the law. So we act out of grace and we love because we're first loved, right? So 
uh, John the Baptist in Matthew 3, 8, he says, bear fruit worthy of repentance, bear fruit worthy of repentance. And this is a fulfillment of that, right? <clears throat> the very first uh, proclamation of Jesus in Mark 1, 14, the very words, first words of Jesus is repent and believe in the gospel. Repent, turn away, metanoia, which means to turn away. So literally turning up, making a 180 degree turn with your mind, with your heart, which metanoia is literally change your mind and believe in the gospel. Repent and believe in the gospel. So it's a response to God's grace. So God's grace, we respond freely and we believe in the gospel. We love and do good because God first loves us and is good to us, right? So um, we still see those that act of restitution happening in the new covenant just as the old covenant, right? And uh, and we also uh, see that there's a difference in the level of sins. In the Old Testament, when people would have a small sin, they would bring a smaller sin offering, right? So this is God's institution too. Like sm- smaller sins bring like a like a smaller sin offering. And then as the larger sins that there are, they would literally bring goats and sheep and like all the bigger offerings, right? All the, the bigger gifts that they have been given, they offer it back to God in reparation for them. They would give him what they had held dearest to them. And so it's the same thing in the New Testament. In 1 John 5, 5, 16, we'll read it here. It says, If anyone sees his brother committing what is not a deadly sin, he will ask and God will give him life for those whose sins is not deadly. There, There is sin which is deadly. I do not say that one is to pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin which is not deadly. So he makes a distinction between these deadly and non-deadly sins, right? So there's levels of this, right? So the start with the Ten Commandments. Any of those are broken. If you have any idols, if you uh, use the Lord's name in vain, if we miss Mass on Sunday, if we disrespect our parents, if we lie, cheat, steal, lust, um, all of those things, those are mortal sins. Venial sins are much, much smaller, right? And to distinguish, it's actually the easiest to describe what a mortal sin is. So the catechism, the church has always taught that mortal sin is when it's grave matter. So such as like the Ten Commandments are doing something that is gravely evil. Like it's a huge matter. You know that it's wrong and you still do it anyway. So there's free will involved. You know that there's wrong. Um, venial sins are things that we might do that's wrong that we didn't, we're not even conscious of, right? So uh, that we might not even realize that we're doing, such as if we're like mean to somebody or there's something that pops up in our heart. I go to confession every fr- every Friday, and I would like to think all my uh, sins at that time are venial. I'm asking for I'm still repenting of them. I still want God's still want God's grace to be perfected in His love to be more like Him, so that I can love more like Him, right? So. Uh, there's these venial sins such as like, oh, I, I see pride crept up in my heart. I see jealousy creeping up in my heart. I see fear. I see uh, selfishness. Um, anything uh, of those natures are venial. But when you act on them and they're in grave matter, you know that they're wrong and you still do it. That's when it becomes a mortal sin. You have cut yourself off from grace. And that's when we need for sure to repent through the sacrament of confession, right? Because sin breaks a relationship with God. And therefore, like the larger sins that we have, just like in the Old Testament, 
still now, uh, if they're larger, the sins, typically we release, receive a larger penance. I remember the first time I ever went to confession, I had like the priest told me to, to donate like my clothes, like do something charitable for other people to restore, uh, partially restore, you know, um, what I have done in the past to, to hurt people. And now when I go, on uh, on any given Friday, it might be a certain prayer. Still, it might, it might be reading a piece of scripture that directly relates to what I might be struggling with or like working on, you know. And so we're in this battle and in the sacrament of confession, we're wiped clean and also given grace and given more power to defeat what we're what is going on, you know. So uh, all sin breaks our relationship with God, just how we saw in Genesis, and even from just like own personal experience when I. <laughs> Uh, before I knew Jesus, all that sin always turned myself inward. I was ashamed. I didn't want to talk about it. I wanted to hide it. I, it was me hiding my own darkness. I was prideful. I isolated myself because of that shame. I couldn't even like talk to other people. And I thought like I couldn't go to God either. So then there's this inward not only is did i just sin out of like hurting somebody else and hurting myself and hurting god but now i've turned myself and even out in a response from that sin where it's even turned myself even more inward so it's this vicious cycle where now i'm not i can't even love myself god or my neighbor because the sin that's in my life and uh it truly is like the freedom of jesus of living and this newness of life, living with the power of the Holy Spirit, knowing that Jesus has forgiven you, to know that you have this this relationship, this communion, this union with God and with neighbor, that every single person you see, I can love them now. I don't have to be ashamed. There, I am not ashamed of what I've happened, what's happened in the past because that is the testimony of Jesus in my life and he wants to do it in yours. And to end this uh, episode of this series. Let's talk about the obvious question, as always, when we talk about the sacraments. Uh, that what about people that can't get to confession or don't have confession? Right? Are they not forgiven? Well, as we always say, the sacraments are the normal means that God has bound Himself to, but God is not bound by the sacraments. Right? God is obviously God. He can do whatever He wants. His grace is is incredible. He can reach anybody, even if they've never heard of Jesus. It's Jesus's grace that will uh, is offered to everybody, whether they know it or not. And it's kind of this, it's the same thing, even with people that don't have confession or can't make it. God doesn't act, act, ask for us to do the impossible that we can't do. He has us to do the, the, the possible with the means that we have. So the sacrament is the normal means of that forgiveness. Um, but God is not bound by it. So people that don't have the sacrament of confession or have never heard of sacrament of confession, um, they're not bound, uh, that like they can still receive that grace of forgiveness of Jesus. So like every single day I ask for forgiveness from Jesus all the time. Every single night I make an examination of conscience, which maybe in the next episode we'll talk about uh, all these different tools that we have in order to weed sin out of our lives and to become more and more uh, conformed to the heart of Jesus. So I ask for forgiveness all the time. Every single night I do an examination of conscience to ask for forgiveness. Uh, if there's obvious like things that pop up in my heart throughout the day, I repent during that time. I re- I uh, um, 
make some, I try to make some form of like contrition, which is like an act of repentance, uh, during the three o'clock hour, the, the divine mercy hour for a repentance of sin for the sake of Jesus's sorrowful passion. We ask the father for, for that. And we offer Jesus to him that, that sin offering that Jesus gave in union with Jesus. We offer ourselves, uh, for any wrongdoing that we have, may have done. And then also, uh, just throughout my normal day, uh, if I obviously do something wrong, I'll ask for Jesus for forgiveness. Um, and at every single Mass, right at the very beginning, we we examine ourselves at the very beginning and ask for Jesus' forgiveness right then and there. And it's a mini absolution when uh, the priest, when we go through, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. That right there is an, a mini absolution for venial sins. You're, you are wiped clean right there. And then obviously receiving communion is another uh, means of life, right? Jesus says, he who eats my, eats my body and drinks my blood will have life within them, right? If you don't do it, you don't have life within you. So you receive life itself and we're strengthened. So there's all these ways of receiving forgiveness, right? Um, throughout any given day at every single mass. But I also, I also, it's a both and, it's not an either or. I also go to Jesus in the sacrament of confession because he instituted it. He told me to do that. So I go to the sacrament of confession, especially for mortal sins. I like run there right away, you know, uh, but try to go make it uh, a habit, make it part of your routine, your daily walk, your, your uh, walk with Jesus, make it part, make make a schedule of it. Some people, the bare minimum, the church is to be uh, a faithful practicing Catholic is to go at least once a year. If if you don't go all the time, make it before Easter. Uh, obviously, we're hoping that you didn't have mortal sin on your soul before that and you didn't go. But um, at least once a year, but the best is to go frequently. Some people go once a month or every other month. And just in my opinion, uh, going at, like at least twice a month. So every other week would be great. I myself try to go every single Friday, uh, um, because it's this deep examination of conscience, this deepness of finding things in my heart, right? So a good analogy is cleaning the house. You don't see really how dirty it is until you wipe away all the dirt on the windows and you see all the light come in and then you see all the cobwebs and you see dust floating in the air and you see all the dirt on the floor. Before you didn't see it, now when you let this light in, you see smaller and smaller things. So Jesus, allow Jesus to clean out our hearts, right? Clean out that house. <laughs> allow Jesus to shine his light in there, right? So going going deeper and deeper with Jesus allows uh, more and more things to come up that he is revealing, not because it's uh, he is condemning us. It's because it's his grace showing us like, hey, there's this too, and I want to take it. Please give it to me. Please give it to me. I want to perfect this in you. Uh, so that I, I go every week, even the Pope, all the saints, they frequent in confession probably once a week, uh, or right around there. Um, and it's such a gift. It is receiving the grace of Jesus, his forgiveness. And it's also giving us grace to have power over sin that might be ruling in our hearts and our lives. 
And I also had this question uh, for myself, and I get this question a lot. But what about the sins I can't remember? Right? Like I, all these, all these things I've done in the past, and especially if you haven't gone in a long time, there's things that you don't remember. Like we said again, God doesn't ask for the impossible. But like, let's say like uh, you confess sins, and then a month goes by, and you're like, oh shoot, like I remember I did this five years ago, and I completely forgot. Don't freak out. God loves you. He knows you. He went to confession last time with a pure heart, pure intentions to be forgiven. Next time you go, just bring that up again. You don't need to run to confession right then and there um, because you already have that repentant heart. You receive God's grace. Uh, and it's a grace of God that he brought it up because he's just showing you what he wants to heal in you, right? So just just remember next time that you go to, to confess it. And one last thing to end this episode, and we'll do one more episode after this about confession, but the seal of confession. So a lot of people may have never heard of this, but the seal of confession, essentially the church has declared that every single priest, every single uh, confession that they hear, they can never release that information under any circumstances. If they do, they're laicized. They literally are, they do, uh, they are no longer a priest, (laughs) Um, no matter any circumstance. And why is that? Because if anybody, if that was a possibility where somebody, a priest could rat anybody out, well, then the very mission of Jesus would be completely undermined and no, and people would not come to confess their sins because they're afraid that their sins would be exposed, right? Jesus wants us to be repentant um, and to be confident in that forgiveness and to that intimacy of forgiveness and we cannot allow anything to hinder that beautiful grace of the sacrament of confession because Jesus wants us to repent and when you come to confession more than likely you truly are repentant and you want to turn away from sin so we can never undermine the sacrament of confession the very mission of Jesus right so that is the power of the sacrament of confession which also should give anybody great confidence of going to confession if you haven't been in a while like people get nervous like that's another thought like they're gonna know me well first of all first off the seal of confession is real second of all the priest i know a lot of priests obviously and i hear these testimonies all the time that one one of their favorite sacraments in out of the seven is the sacrament of confession because of how beautiful it is, God's mercy for for them and hearing what people are going through. But also this grace of they don't feel sad or bad afterwards. Like they truly like sometimes for like forget like their memories are like wiped clean. Like the Lord literally works through them so powerfully. The grace in that sacrament is crazy. And afterwards they're like, yeah, it's it was Jesus working through me. It's not me. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that testimony is is so powerful. So, uh, do not be afraid. When you go to confession, um, you can go to the priest face-to-face. You can go uh, behind a screen if that makes you feel more comfortable and prayerful. Tell the priest how long it's been since you've gone to confession um, and maybe your state in life too, like if you're single, married, engaged, uh, all those different states, um, because I think it, it helps add context and in, in, uh, to your confessor uh, to understand like where you're at in your walk, and then just share everything that's on your heart. And the, and the priest uh, will oftentimes give you 
uh, guidance during that time of like things to look for th- and to give you spiritual direction during that uh, during certain aspects to help you out as well. Um, and then he'll give you your penance. So he'll tell you what to do after the sacrament of confession. Then he asks you for your act of contrition, which most of the time they have a little prayer card, which is always asking for God's forgiveness and your repentance. You're sorry for your sins. I'm sorry for doing wrong. I'm sorry for failing to do good in my thoughts and in my words and what I have done and what I have failed to do. And to turn away from sin and to avoid the near occasions of sin um, going forward and a good act of contrition to say you're sorry, to turn away, repent, and to do right. And then the the priest will say the uh, absolution, which are the most beautiful words ever. And I shared them in the last one, so I'm not going to share it again. But uh, yeah, it's just so beautiful. The sacrament of confession is absolutely incredible. Thank you, Jesus, for the sacrament of confession to share in that very mission that you came to forgive us of our sins. Thank you, Lord, for your intimacy in the sacrament of confession. We love you, Jesus.